on this week's episode of Peak Too Early. We break down all of the exciting races this weekend, including Yared Nagus's record-breaking 1,500-meter run. We talk about the drama that went down in the 1,500 meters at the Sound Running Invite. We have Eric Sawinski on the podcast for an interview. And this week's episode is brought to you by Bell Lap Track and Field Gear. You've heard us talk about this awesome company before they help professional athletes sell their gear so professional athletes can get a couple extra bucks in their pocket and you can get the exclusive equipment that only the professional athletes can get so go follow bell lap track and field gear on their instagram so you can you know get the leg up on all the stuff that they're that they're offering to you and as always please 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 give us a five-star review on itunes it help us out a lot Let's get into it. Keep on this is Peak Keep Too Early, presented by SAV Racing, featuring Mike Gendron, Trent Fontanella, and Steve Gendron. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the greatest running podcast in the world, Peak Too Early. I am one of your hosts, Steve Jenner, and I'm joined by Mike Jenner, who is somewhere off the coast of Connecticut. Mike, how you doing? I'm okay. I um, I think I've underrated how good of an excuse season we are in right now. You know, we've talked about like winter, snowstorms, cold, obviously good excuse season for running, but... The allergies, the pollen is out of control right now. Now we're starting to hit like the first like hot week of the year. And it's just like, you just can't breathe out there. It's impossible. So it's very easy to be like, no, it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm not in shape. It has everything to do with the fact that I just can't breathe out here. So all time excuse season right now. And as always at the House of Sav, we got Trent Fontanella. Trent, how you doing, bud? Oh, I'm doing great. I am not making excuses for not running. I am out there. I am running. I had a funny uh, encounter the other day that I need to run by you guys. So, you know, it was a beautiful, warm day outside, you know, sun's out, guns out type of day. I happened to have on one of my shortest pair of split shorts. They're very, very short. And uh, I'm running through the fells north of Boston and this, uh, this little kid says to his mom as I run by, mom, that guy's naked. And I didn't know whether to think that my shorts were the perfect length that little kids thought I was running naked or if it's time for me to get a longer pair of shorts so that I don't have, you know, cops looking for the streaker through the fells north of Boston. Trent, the answer is you got to get a longer pair of shorts. It's not what I wanted to hear. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm in full noodle mode right now. The pollen's killing me. The heat's killing me. I don't know. This I think that this I think this couple weeks in New England is actually like the worst time of year. I can't stand this week because you're 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 tempted by the beautiful weather, you're tempted by like the nice running temperature, but you just feel like shit. Like the entire the like most of May, I just feel like crap. Like the the you know I don't have allergies, but the pollen's kicking my ass this year. The the temperature change has not been good to me. I'm a sweaty mess. May kind of sucks for running in New England. Trent, 
Steve has been kind of leading the charge with how you, good you let without, off the podcast with excuses. Don't even but, give me no. Okay, I mean that's kind of my brand though. Steve's been leading the game with sending us his workouts and you know talking about how how much he's crushing it, getting ready for this mileage challenge. And I don't know, he sounds kind of uh, sounds a little nervous all of a sudden. Sounds like, know, he's, like I'm, his I'm confidence on, is, is is falling apart a little bit. I'm on team Steve here. I was going to start complaining about May too. And I think you're just excited that you're not the only one who's trying to find some excuses out there. No, but again, that's my, you're just I've, trying to put the attention away from you. So if I'm complaining about something, then things are normal. If you guys are down and out and complaining about something, then something's wrong. Something, something's wrong. Here. No, no. Our guy, our guy, Luke Mason was tweeting this weekend saying that he thinks that May is the best time of year in new england and i could not disagree more i mean first off it's the fall like any 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 of the fall months is the best but may may stinks in new england may's the worst it could be it could be like 80 and humid out or it could be snowing may stinks let me let me give a lot of the box reason why this is uh you know just a complaint about this type of year is the bugs are back I got a bug in my eye run the other day. That's the worst. Everyone complains about the winter. Oh, it's so cold. Well, guess what? There's no bugs in the winter. Now I go out there. I got, you know, you go out a little late at night. You got mosquitoes out for the first time. Like, where the hell do these things come from? I got bugs flying in my eye. I got bugs in the back of my throat. All the bugs just everywhere, just bugging around. So uh, that's another reason that I have issues. A lot of bugs. A lot of bugs, Trent. A lot of bugs. Let me. Let, let me let me give a quick shout out to May here though. For running, it stinks. It may be for nighttime and the bugs, it stinks. But it's an all time day drinking month. No question about it. I mean, you get that like this was like the first weekend. It was seventy degrees out, and you could just kind of sit outside in a lawn chair for like six hours and just slowly sip on beers. Not that I did that. Just saying that sounds like it would be an enjoyable day. Wait. Mike, you got me excited now. May is electric. I yeah, went for a run today. Everybody was out. Everybody's enjoying <laughs> the sun. People are laying out in the Boston Common. The flowers are blooming in the Boston Garden. I was like, where did all these people come from? May is an electric time of year. I love May. I love going for runs in May. Look at that. That's all it took. And so a quick reminder, we have the Fasters coming up in a week. A week from when this episode drops. A week oh, yeah oh, geez. week yeah. from the day this episode drops so if you want to join us go to our instagram we got the link in the bio go to our website we got the sign up there um it is the it is being sponsored by bell app track and field the house that we rented and we're staying at together is sponsored by stoke performance so a couple of friends of peak too early really helping us out to make this and pull this pull this together it's going to be a good time Follow along. Join us if you're crazy enough to do it. And we've been teasing it for a couple weeks. We have the first official two-crew singlet dropping on the first day of the Fasters. So stay tuned for that. I'm going to start dropping some teasers this weekend about what the singlet looks like. It's pretty awesome. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Steve, I just wanted to uh, – you mentioned that this thing is dropping on, on Thursday – a lot of exciting stuff. You know, you reached out to me earlier this week asking if we wanted to start moving drop date to Thursday, which I thought was a very kind gesture. You know, I've been pulling a lot of night, late nights, trying to get the thing out on Wednesday. Last week, it obviously didn't work out so high. We dropped it late. And I was like, wow, that was, that was a, a really nice gesture from Steve. I think it was good. It's nice that he's looking out for me. 
I just it just occurred to me. It's pretty convenient that you dropped this idea like two weeks out from the fasters, you know, when I have been used to a little bit of sleep deprivation and kind of training my body to get used to that. All of a sudden you think, huh, I think Mike needs a little bit more sleep in his life. I don't know. I feel like maybe this was not so kind and maybe a little bit more strategic than I was accounting for. Mike, if you don't think that we're all going to be pumping out content the week of the week of the fasters, then then you're if you think this is some type of plan, some I'm type of saying, scheme, I think, you I are think you crazy. Think, okay, I think you think I'm out here grinding you're on the end. I'm going to be putting together video content. You're going to be putting out podcast content. We'll make Trent do something. Like he'll help us out with content some some way. But we're going to be grinding no matter what. This is going to be not only a physical running endurance challenge, but it's going to be an endurance challenge from a content standpoint. You know, Chris was going to come help us with the content. He's not coming. So we're, this is a one, this is a three-man show this week, uh, you know, the, the weekend the faster. So we're going to create a real-world house with video, audio, all of it. It's going to be awesome. And so, yeah, so you're going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry, Mike. No, I'm saying you, you're, you're trying to get me more sleep, not less sleep. You gave me the extra day to put out the podcast so I could rest up and not train my body to operate off, off of lack of sleep. I'm not complaining about less sleep. I think less sleep right now is good. I'm trying to train myself, and you're trying to get me oh, sleep. Mike. You're trying to get me to bed earlier. Well, I mean, the, the, the diehard two crew will, will, will take notice that the past couple episodes, audio quality has been a little rough. I mean, if we're being honest, I think you need the extra day. I mean, you have, you have ride and dirty dropping randomly into episodes during mm. random points of the episode. I the, mean, the last the, month, the last month I've been running out of steam here a little bit. Okay. I, I'm hearing things at night. Running out, of steam. At night. running out of steam. What are we talking about? We got the trials coming up. We got the Olympics coming up. I know you and Trent don't care about the Olympics, but what do you mean we're running out of steam? What do you mean we're running out of steam? I just, this is the best. The... This is what we've been waiting for for two years. I'm more pumped up than ever. I don't mean content wise. I just meant my editing skills have obviously been running a little well, pull it together like, we got a I'm big trying. couple months coming up it's the pollen in the air steve yeah that's true <laughs> just the, started, the bugs it's everywhere. hot out there's bugs it's excuse yeah, season. i've been day drinking excuse season all right let's kick off the running news So this past weekend, we had the track meet sponsored by Sound Running. Great meet. There was some big names. Steve, let's get right into it. Let's talk a little. Well, before we do that, let's note that Centro uh, apparently is back. Everyone's saying he's back. I don't know where he went. I think we were the first ones to kind of mock that, that Centro wasn't going to be there. Uh, he comes back to 335, takes the dub. Obviously, Olympic time, Centro is going to be there. But that was not the big story in that race. Steve Stern of Controversy on the IG. We had a collision between Mo Ahmed and Eric Avila. And we're trying to get down to the bottom of this, of why that this, uh, this collision actually happened, Steve. So first off, yeah, it, Centro win with ease out there. Uh, 335 coming across the finish line with his hands out. So uh, everybody who thought that Centro isn't going to be in the mix come trials, come Olympics times is wrong. I mean, it's, it's fun to look at all these fast times that these run guy that these young guys are running, but you can't deny that 
the that Centro is one of the big contenders for the Olympic team. I mean, he's he's been there. He's got the gold medal. He's still the guy, and uh, you can't count him out. But what happened at the start of that race? First off, one hundred percent absolutely should have been a restart. Everything I know about the sport of track and field says it's a restart. So the gun goes off, a little bit of jostling for position. Um, uh, Mohamed goes down, on the way down, grabs the grabs a singlet of Erica Vila. Erica Vila gets, gets dragged down. Henry Wynn is forced to jump over them and slows down. So essentially Mohamed taking, taking down Erica Vila and, and kind of, he kind of essentially took Henry Wynn and Eric Avila out of the race. So right away, three people out of the race. And so, you know, you look at it, you first, the first, you know, my first instinct was like, oh man, you know, contact out there, you know, Rubin's racing. It's part of the sport. You love to see contact out there, but you go back and you start to watch and you look at what happened. Like in Danny Mackey, coach of the Brooks beast actually posted a video from the, from the rear shot. And it actually showed like what was going on. And I am the first, I've always been a proponent of, of contact on the, on the track. Like I love contact on the track. I think if you're fighting for position, you're fighting for inside lane, you're fighting for the pole position, you're fighting to, 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 to break out of being boxed in. I love all that stuff. But what went on at the start of that race was none of that. What happened was it was team tactics. You saw Mark Scott and Mohamed trying to essentially create a barrier so Centro could kind of break free and get, you know, get to the front of that pack. Um, at the, the gun goes off, and you can see Scott doesn't, doesn't run forward. He doesn't try to break to the inside. The first thing he does is throw his shoulder into Henry Wynn, is, who is to the right of him. He goes over a lane to his right to throw his shoulder in, into Henry Wynn. That creates a domino effect. So he, he kind of bumps into Henry Wynn. Henry Wynn has to go to the right a little bit. And Mohamed, who's probably not as solid as Henry Wynn and Mark Scott, is, is, is trying to do the same thing. It, he, they are very obviously trying to pinch out everybody behind Centro. He can't handle the contact of Mark Scott, Henry Wynn going over to the right. He goes down and, and I don't know, cowardly grabs the singlet of Erica Vila, takes him down. Um, to me, this wasn't, this wasn't contact. This wasn't jostling. This wasn't the fun contact you, you like, I like to see in a mid distance event. This was pure team tactics out there should have been a restart, but I don't know. This is a slippery slope for the sport. If we're just going to start allowing these teams to start, you know, kind of throwing their weight around in the sense of the amount of people that they have in that heat to be able to kind of influence the outcome of the race. Or first comment on the official. It's not a bang bang play, right? In in baseball, where you got to make the safe of the out call right away. I mean, you watch the whole thing go down. No one's mad at you if you you know fire off the gun two seconds later than you should have, right? You can see it, you can process it, and then you can make the call. There's absolutely no excuse for not sending it back. It, it blows my mind that you watch that and then just you just swallowed your whistle in that case. Steve, though, why why would Bowerman need to do that. I mean, we like Mike kind of said with, with with Centro, he's not back. He never went anywhere. He just found some races. Now he's getting into the point where he needs to be as shape as he he needs to be, and he's he's gonna get there. The guy is the best American fifteen hundred meter runner at Miler. He doesn't need Bowerman guys to, to send off a wall. 
Like, explain me what what was yeah, the motivation gladly, of that tactic? Gladly. Uh, he, they don't need him to. They don't need him to. But you have two guys in there. You have uh, in, in Mohamed and Mark Scott who aren't really 1,500-meter runners. They're longer-distance runners that happen to be in that race. They, they're able to get their way into that race where they're not necessarily they're, – they're in there to run a fast time, but they're not necessarily competing for the win. So – what are they going to do on the track there? They're going to try to help their teammates out and they're going to try to, they're, I mean, they're going to try to protect central a little bit. I don't think that it was something that they needed to do, but at the same time, it was like, they were kind of going down in distance a little bit. And it's like, Hey, let's, you know, let's, let's, you know, let's help our teammate out a little bit here. Right. So they know Centro's game plan and anything little they can do in the beginning to get him there. Now what, what Mark Scott did is, is fine, right? You talk about, you don't like the tactics. What Scott did was, you know, he might not have I, run the I most think direct that's line. actually slightly dirtier. He didn't, he didn't make a move to the inside of the track. His first move was to go to the right. So he's throwing his shoulder and moving to the right away from the inside of the track. I think that's, I, I mean, I, obviously Mohamed dragging Rivera, Eric Avila down to the track is, is, is dirty. Like it's not, like that that's bad it shouldn't be happening but it was almost kind of like that was like an instinctual move to try to keep himself up i don't think he intended to do it mark scott first move to throw his shoulder to the right and go into the to the lane to the right of where he's starting i almost think that's slightly dirtier okay so i think there's a lot of people who have a right to be pissed here a guy like henry Wynn, who's pretty much whole race got there off eric avila like obviously those guys have every right to be be pissed about what was going on there because like we said they showed up to to race and essentially didn't get to to run their race i gotta be honest though steve i i'm pro team tactic and team racing and i'm pro helping out your bin guns and setting them up and yeah i get it like i know that there was some dirty moves going on there and i think you know, there should be, you should be put into question about like, you know, should you be, you know, disqualified for those actions or whatever like that. But I I just don't think I can get that upset about team taxes. I love that part of the sport. I think it makes it fun. And I, I want these teams having the kind of dynamic that they're working together. I feel like we've talked about it in the past that team tactics can kind of make the sport more fun. And it makes it, like I said, like a, it's not just a, every man for themselves out there, there's some kind of team element to it. So I re- I really can't be too mad about the team tactics. I just can't, especially when it's your guy, right? It's, it's central. Like this is, this is, you know, your LeBron James. This is your Mike Trout. This is your Tom Brady. Like you got to help your guy out. Well, if we're talking about our guys, Henry Wynn and Eric Avila are way of more course, guys of course, and that's why I, but I know I agree that they have the right you, to be pissed. I would be too if I were them. Are you for team tactics in a race like that? A, re, a race like that where it's like it's set up and it's designed to help people get uh, um, help people get uh, trials and Olympic qualifiers. I mean, it's not like it's not like there's a, a medal on the line. It's not like there's a ton of money on the line. It's put together to get people an opportunity to get to the next i mean aren't we pro aren't we pro guys racing whenever they get on the track like isn't that but that's but what i'm saying is that's not that's not all out racing that's just that's just kind of like dirty tactics that to to help to help your teammate get a win on espn yeah listen i mean i get it like i said if 
I, I, I understand the anger behind it. I, I wouldn't tell people that they don't have the right to be angry about it. I just can't get myself to be that upset about it because, like I said, I, I'm pro-team tactics. I'm, I'm into it. So what do well, we got to do? So what do we got to do? Do we need to, do we need to load? Like, does, does Danny Mackey need to load up the next 1500 meter with, with all of his, with all of his 1500 meter guys to protect the person that he wants to run fast? Or can we trust that we can put Henry Wynn out there and, and be able to run a clean race and, and try to get like an Olympic qualifier? What, what we need to do is just have an official that will, will bring him back and well, probably DQ Mohamed again, in that case. Yeah, I mean, like, it all right. goes back. It all goes back to that. Should have one hundred percent call back because there wasn't an opportunity to to race. Like the you know three guys were taken. You know three guys were taken out of the race instantly that never had a shot at even competing. So hundred percent needs to be brought back. Right. And right. I think, and, and, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was gonna say team tactics don't like uh, exempt you from like dirty illegal behavior, right? Like you should be able to do team tactics and pro team tactics. But again, we should have officials that a call the race back. And if people need to be tossed out, if people need to be DQ'd from the race to set an example, or because what they did was against the rules or against the, you know, the spear of the race, then that should be what happening. Um, but again, I think that's more on the officials. Totally agree. All right. We ready to move on here? Yeah. Uh, Bowman Track Club kits. What do we think? This is a topic I was most excited about. <laughs> These things are hideous. I mean, They're gross. They're that, so gross. The, the you know, dark red classic Bowerman was an awesome singlet. They were badass. They, they were intimidating. They just, like, looked like excellence. These are... I don't know. They they look kind of like hipstery, like the lightning bolt. Instead of being like cool, intimidating, is just like this attempt to make it seem, hey guys, we're really fast. We have a bunch of lightning bolts put over our, our single. It looks like designed by just a little kid, just, just putting stickers, just putting lightning bolt stickers all over the singlet. I I get the idea of rebranding right before the trials, right? You're going to sell a lot of gear as a lot of attention gets put on these guys, but I don't know. They just, they just don't do it for me. Trash. They're garbage. And anybody thinks that, I mean, the, the, the last version of the Bowerman singlets are probably some of the best singlets we've seen in the sport in a really long time. The red with the, with the white lightning bolts, like those are so frigging cool. These like cartoony, like white with the cartoony lighting bolts, just absolute trash. Like I think they look so dumb. And the people that love them are like, to them, to those, to them, Bowerman can do no wrong, right? They can just put, you know, that Bowerman emblem on anything, and they'll say it looks good. That that singlet's, I think, straight trash. I know it's like a, a you know money thing, and you want to be able to like sell singlets. I. But I just hate the like frequency at which we turn singlets around in the the sport and change it. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, you think about other sports, and it's like a Red Sox jersey has been a Red Sox jersey for a very long time. And I know they have alternate jerseys, and I think that's cool. Like I'm cool with like breaking out like special edition like alternate jerseys here and there, but. I think it would be cool, you know, if that like, you know, the the red lightning bolt 
uh, singlet that Bowerman had was just like their singlet for 10, 15 years. And you see that and it's like, boom, you automatically know what that is. It's synonymous with the team to me. And maybe I'm like a traditionalist on that sense, but like, I don't know. I like the idea of having consistency with a team where you see a, a, a kit and you know exactly what it is, but I get it. You're right. That, that's kind of one of the weird parts of our sport that there's very rarely is there like a classic uniform and there's very few in the, the ones that, you know, do have a, a classic look, everybody loves, like for the most part, whether you're high school, college pro, like your kits are changing regularly and changing dramatically. I will give some credit to, to, um, you know, like Bowerman even and, and, and like the beasts who have tried to create some uniformity between all the iterations of their, of their singlets. Like the, like Bowerman will always have like the lightning bolts or whatever. They're all, they'll always have the same colors and the beast will kind of always have that, that, that yellow color that uh, like the highlighter yellow. I know they got a lot of hate for that recently, but they've, they, you know, it stands out and it's kind of like become their team color. So I, I like that, but instead of trying to go to the, all these like funky, like modern designs, let's just go with like a classic look and, and try to make it kind of like stand the test of time a little, instead of trying to like always constantly like evolve, like a new design season after season. And you can do like, I get it. Like you can have it on the most up-to-date apparel. You can have it on the most up-to-date fabric cuts, whatever you're trying to sell that season as a brand but just have it be the same look and same design, same color, make it a little bit more of like a classic uniform look. All right. Uh, quick lightning round of results here. I have uh, in the 10 K we had Klecker and we had Sarah Hall hit their Olympic standards. We had El Perrier who ran a one fifty nine. There was some stat out there where she was like the second or third uh, American woman of all time to in one season go like sub two, uh, like sub four. I don't remember what it was, but in, in the 800, the mile and the like five K or something like that, her times were, you know, made history in some way. She is just at, on, you know, a run like, you wouldn't believe, and she's doing it at the right time. She's unbelievable. Um, and then our girl Sinclair, another girl who was, has been on a complete tear, had what I would say is her first, like, really, really bad day as a pro, kind of going into the heat of the Olympic season. Do we have a reason to be worried about Sinclair? No. I'm, I'm still bullish on her. I will say – it had me thinking, I mean, this is where experience probably comes in to help you. I mean, Sinclair is a new professional. Uh, guys like, like Sancho, we just talked about him, right? He's hitting his stride right now. He's hitting his peak as he rolls into the U.S. trials. I think that's something that you probably get better at with more experience as a pro of, of kind of figuring out how to peak in your circuit. Um, coming out of college, probably a little bit tougher for Sinclair. However, she's got the wheels. She had been so good leading up to this. You're allowed one, you know, little race like this where she's not on top of her game. I still think she's a force to be reckoned with at the trials. Well, it's not one. This is kind of two back-to-back where we're a little concerned about Sinclair. The one, the one thought I have, and I'm not concerned. I think she's going to be fine. I think she's going to be a contender. Um, I do 
I can't help but feel a little different after this one because, you know, one goes by and it's like, okay, you know, you know, her hot streak isn't over yet. I mean, that just, that could mean anything, you know, she could have had a bad day. Uh, she could have been training through it or whatever Two starts. You start to kind of question a little bit. And the first thing that popped in my head is she's had a full, she's kind of, you know, almost at a full year under the Bowerman's training. And she did say on this very podcast that she has cranked up her training significantly since joining Bowerman. It's nothing that she's done in the past. Could it be the case of overtraining catching up to her and it's kind of throwing her off her hot streak? I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying it is. You won't find a bigger Sinclair fan than me. Like I want her to do well and I'm confident she will do well. But if these down races continue, you have to start looking at, you know, was it, was it the intense bomb and training? Yeah. And the only other concern I would have, I agree with all those things. Um, is the women's 1500 at this point, it seems to be kind of shaping out like the men's 800 where there's a lot of people fighting for one spot in my eyes. You know, you have Shelby and then at this point you have Elle who seems to be putting herself pretty much as a lock for that second spot in the 1500, which to me says there's one spot available. So you don't have room to, you know, you know, have an off day when, when that comes around, there's one spot. Now I still think if I'm putting money on it, I still feel really good about Sinclair in that spot, but the next month or so could be telling going into that race to see if she can turn it around or if she's slumping at the absolute worst time. So we'll see. She's in her taper season. Best time of year. Um, all right, so let's move on. A couple quick uh, headlines from outside of that race. Um, I'm going to get to my favorite one of these last just because I feel like we got a lot to talk about here. Um, first one, we got our guy Morgan Pearson, who medaled at an international competition this week. He solidified his spot on the Olympic team. So just wanted to give him a shout out. That's in the triathlon, by the way. Um, could not and- Could not be more pumped. For Morgan Pearson, our first, and we're going to keep a tally, the first of the P2E Olympians uh, uh, for True. this Olympic cycle. That's a very good point. And so we're going to be keeping a tally. So we got, we got one in the books. Put a tally on the board. We'll see how many we can get this Olympic cycle. I, I love that. That's great. Um, so I, I always get weary of little games like this because – I feel like you guys are going to end up saying a number way higher than what it actually is. And it just like makes it anticlimactic, but we'll do it anyways. So he came, he finished, I think third or second or something like that in this competition, second or third. So he podiumed, I think it was like his first medal in international competition on the running portion of the triathlon. How many people do you think that he passed? Can we get how many people were in the race, Mike? Uh, I don't know that information, so no, you can't. So I'm just going to try and not overguess or overestimate to not make <laughs> Michael look bad. So to help my co-host out here, I will say uh, uh, a dozen. Okay. Thanks. I'm going to say I'm going to say 18. He passed 35 people wow. in the run. All right, so that's a, that's a lot of freaking people, and that's like not passing 35 people to like you know finish middle of the pack like he finished on the podium and 
went by 35 people on the run. So Amazing. that's pretty damn impressive. Shout, um, shout out to Morgan too for totally surprised me with news that one of our uh, one of our guys is made. Yeah, I know. It was like, how the heck does this work again with the triathlon? I don't remember. Dude, so. it's crazy. Yeah, there's no link. It, it's weird. It's like, what? I think you I forgot qualified? to. I think I forgot to put that one on the show notes too. So that one. I sent him. I sent him a. I sent him a quick text. I said. I said, uh, get the Olympic rings, check, get the medal, empty box, start dominating the running world, empty box. So love it. The the plan's coming together nicely for our guy Morgan. All right, uh, Kip two, he's over there dominating the Big Twelve. Had a huge weekend. He drops a wild triple at the Big 12 Championships where he goes 28-22, 8-31, and 13-29 in a triple. So I guess what I was thinking is, you know, so I don't want to do this triple anyway, the 3K, 5K, 10K. But if you have to do the 3K, 5K, 10K triple. 3K steeple, right? Was it the 3K steeple? Yeah, outdoor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So 3K steeple, 5K, 10K. What order would be most favorable to do these in? No order. I don't want to do that trip. No order. Well, man, I had an order. Now that that's right, the steeple kind of throws me throws me off my game here a little bit. But I'll, I'll give you an order. Steeple last, because that's where you're most likely to hurt yourself. 10K second, because you don't want to drain your legs too early. So 5K, 10K steeple. No, I think steeple needs to be first. Can you imagine in the 10K, 5K, and then having to try and get over those barriers? You might die. You might get, not get over the barrier anyway, and then then you got to run a 5K with a gash in your leg. I think I'm just going straight up the line. I think I'm going steeple, 5K, 10K, just suffering the 10K, but at least at least you're not having to go over hurdles. All right, so the final one. Again, two weeks in a row that my favorite storyline of the week comes from Yared Nagus. So he breaks the NCAA record in the 1500. And he does it in a preliminary. Not the final, just a heat all by himself. Oh, and not to mention he hits the Olympic standard as well. Actually ran faster than Centro did this week. No big deal. Yared Nagus, I think, was hearing all the noise from these Oregon guys. And everybody talk, 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 chirp, 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 chirp about these guys. And he's decided to remind the entire NCAA that he is the reigning champion and you're going to have to go through him. What do we think of this performance? This is not only my favorite story from the week. It's not only my favorite story from the year. It's not, it's, it's, it's my favorite story since we started this podcast. Yared Nagus is the real freaking deal and he's a guy he's a guy that was a walk-on at notre dame he's a guy that when we had him on this podcast over a year ago said yeah you know i'm a dental student i want to run fast i want to get some national championships i want to run dmrs get some national championships for my boys but i'm not going to go pro runner and now here he is in a year where, like you said, the world is talking about everybody but him. And he comes out of nowhere in a prelim and just says, fuck it, I'm going after it. And he gets 
the NCAA record in the 1500. He could not be a nicer guy. He could not be somebody that you want to cheer for more than Yared Nagus. He is, he might be my favorite runner right now. I am such a fan of this guy. I am so happy to see him get this record. I cannot wait to see what he does the rest of this year. Very well said, Steve. It's impossible not to root for the goose. I was completely shocked at this, though. I know he goes out there. He takes down Cooper and Cole, uh, what, two weeks ago now. But you knew you knew your Reds got the kick in him, right? So you know if you put him on line with anybody, he can get in position and he, he can win races. That's what he has proven he can do. I did not see him going out by himself being able to take down that record despite you know the epic performance he had a couple weeks ago it was totally shocking is is he the favorite going into ncaa's he might be at this point i know it's it's crazy all-time favorite he's the record holder trent well what what would you say his odds were you know two weeks ago right he wouldn't even be i don't know plus plus 600 or something like that like he would not have been near the top now now he is he's a favorite Steve, you say that like it's crazy, but I guarantee you there's still like the majority of the running worlds who would still be putting their money on Cole Hawker. I, 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 I mean, I think Nagus is the favorite. He should be the favorite. Yes, he's the record holder. But I do, I think people just are in love with Cole Hawker and Cooper Tier and, you know, Nagus isn't, you know, as flashy and doesn't get an Instagram beef, you know, with Centro. So, it's not as fun to talk about. Should Yared's coach be pissed that he did this in a prelim, though? I mean, I guess I guess it's different he if it was won. like... He still won the championship. Yeah, right. That's what I was going to say. I guess it would be different if it was like the NCAA championship, right? If you're at NCAAs and you pull this move, that's wild. I think he you know, obviously felt pretty good that uh, their Notre Dame's ACC, right? I, he knows he's gonna win that, so he can. It's not that big of a deal. He's probably gonna take home the dub anyways. So, but I mean, I guess it's it's our philosophy, right? You get on the track and you go race. And I don't know. I I would love to talk to him. I'd love to get a chance to be like, you know, was he just out there like going out tr- making sure that he qualified and was just like, man, I feel awesome today. Like I'm gonna go do something special or like I don't know. How does that happen? How do you <laughs> how do you do that in in a pre I don't know. We got we got we got to get a chance to talk to him. But he, I agree. It, it it had to have been. It had to have been perfect weather. It had to have been. Coach, I feel unbelievable right now. Um, I'm just gonna try to lead for a little bit. See, it, it could have even been like, hey, you're red. Like, let's use this as a workout. Let's use this workout. Go lead. Try to try to run a little bit faster than you than you would in a, in a typical prelim. But what we could see, what this could have done. This could have changed the entire trajectory of how 1,500 meters are run because he didn't run it with any help. He didn't run it with any paces. He did it by himself. So what, what I got to imagine is going to happen at the national championship, I got to imagine he's going to go right to the front and he's going to lead and he's not going to let it be a kicker's race. And, I mean, just think of like the domino effect that could have for the 1500 meter in this country. Maybe you see that more often, you know, and, and you get a guy that's not afraid to just go to the front and lead and knowing that he can just drop a 334. 
I'm excited about what with the domino effect that this this race is going to have on the sport. Well, if you're like you know watching your film and mentally preparing to go into that race, right? If you're a tier, if you're a hawker, if you're one of those guys heading into that race, what do you prepare for, right? Mentally, how do you prepare for that race? Because like Trent said earlier, you also need to be ready for that devastating kick, right? I mean, that is how Nagus has always run. He's always been able to get you at the end. So now you have to be ready for him to run from the lead or to come from behind. So I, I do not know how you mentally get ready for that race. The goose, baby. The goose is loose. All right, hold up one second. We are going to pause the news for one second here. We are actually going to just quickly give Yared Nagus a call to kind of get some insights because, like we were saying, like this is such a crazy race to do it from a prelim to get the NCAA, NCAA record in the 1500 meters is so crazy. We just got to give him a quick call and kind of get some insight into his mindset going into that race. So let's talk to him real quick here. Hello, can you hear me? Yared? Yeah, I can hear you. How's it going? Hey, what's up, man? It's Steve. Oh, hey, Steve. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Good to did, good to chat with you again. Thanks for jumping on for a quick call. We're about to drop an episode tomorrow, and we talked a lot about your race and about your new record, how amazing it is, how pumped we are for you. But you ran – so you have probably one of, if not the most coveted, uh, record in the NCAA right now when it comes to distance, mid-distance, but you did it in unprecedented fashion. You did it in a prelim all by yourself, and we just need to get a little insight into what your game plan going into that into that heat was. Yeah, of course, I can do that. Um, so going in, we had just come off of Oregon Twilight, where we had come like so close to that record, and you know, my coach and I felt that, you know, it was definitely within reach um, and that I definitely had the potential to, you know, go out and get that record. So a week later coming into ACCs, um, you know, we thought like the prelim would kind of be like, you know, a perfect time. Because once you get into championship season, you know, it's really hard to like run a fast time. Um, so, you know, kind of coming off Oregon Twilight, we were like, this is kind of the best, the best opportunity to do so. Um, Going into the actual race, there was a lot of just like, you know, we'll go out, we'll start, but like 800 in, if it's not like the time that we want, you can just like stop. It's a very like, you know, you'll still win the prelim no matter what, but like it's still just, you have the opportunity to back out and not waste that effort um, if it's not like going how I want it. So going into 800, it was, it was going exactly how it should have. And, you know, of course, that's when it gets really hard. And it definitely was just kind of, you know, being out there by myself. But, um, you know, I guess I just kind of dug down a little bit and was able to just go to the well as hard as I could because it was certainly, especially going to that last lap, I felt like a little a little gassed going into it. I was just like, oh, man, I really hope I didn't, like, just <laughs> do all this for nothing. But uh, luckily, yeah, I went, it went. It went really well, so we're pretty happy about that. So going into that heat, the plan was to take a shot at the record. And knowing that you had you had nobody to do it with you, nobody to pace you, your plan was to go out there, balls out, 
take an attempt for the record. And like you said, like, because it's a prelim, you can probably still qualify. Um, but you're going to put yourself in a chance, at least to have a chance at it, which is unbelievable. That's, that's amazing. And I think at the same time, man, like, I think, I think watching that, it's like, it's kind of giving hope to the fans of the sport that like to see kind of that front running mentality to see people kind of go after it and get it. But it's be, the sport has become such like a sit and kick mentality. Unless you're going with a group, unless you're going with a pack, people think that you can't run those times. But to see you to go out and do it and just kind of do it all by yourself, it, it was awesome to watch. We're so pumped for you. Oh, yeah, thanks. I mean, yeah, I'm also a fan of the whole sit and kick strap. But I think there is like a part of me that really does enjoy the, you know, the actual fast races, like people running like everything that they can. Um, for like the whole race instead of just saving it for a last lap. I think, you know, I've, I've always like, especially after like freshman year, when I first found out about tactical races, I was just kind of a little disappointed. I was just like, what, this makes no sense to me. So yeah, I'm always glad to go out and, you know, basically run all out pretty much for the whole 1500. So does this, does this change now that you have the record, does this change your goals at all for the year? Or is it still the same thing? Is it still compete for the national championship and then go to, uh, you know, go to the trials or because you have the record, does your expectations for yourself change a little bit? Um, well, things are, are probably still the same. I mean, I think, you know, I still want to like perform well at nationals. And then now that I have the time that makes it a lot more like, you know, worth it to kind of go out the trials and, you know, really like throw myself into it to see if I can um, get on the Olympic team. So not, not too much has changed on that front. I mean, I'm still going to go out there. I know there's still plenty of great professional runners out there who are going to be there at the trials, but you know, that time kind of gives me that like confidence to where, um, you know, I feel a little bit better going into it that like, you know, I necessarily like belong there. Oh yeah, man. Well, you got to get back to finals. You got to get back to preparing for a national championship run. You got to get back to preparing for the Olympic trials and hopefully beyond. Thank you so much for jumping on a quick call. We got to have you back on for a full interview sometime soon, but I'm going to tell you this right now. We are going crazy for you in, in all the success you're having. Like you're our number one guy in the NCAA, like the P2 early two crew is cheering on the goose hardcore going into championship season. Well, I'm flattered. Thank you guys so much. <laughs> All right, man. Take care. Good luck with everything. Anyways, gentlemen, that is all I got for the news. All right. So we are going to get into our interview with the newest Bell Lap track and field athlete. This guy has been in the sport for a decade now. He's been a journeyman going from Nike to Brooks. Now he's with Bell Lap. He's been the American record holder in the 600 meters. We got Eric Sawinski on the podcast today. It was a lot of fun talking with him. Let's get into it. Yo, what's up, man? How's it going? Dude, thank you so much for uh, making some time to talk with us. And I actually haven't even told Mike and Trent yet, but uh, I had another time zone mishap, boys. Uh, I, I, I oh, completely God. screwed up God. central time zone. So uh, Eric good. has been kind enough to reschedule an hour later than we had originally planned. Thank you, Eric. No, time, no zones, time zones are by far our biggest rival on this podcast. We, we've, been, we've been doing this for like two and a half years now, and we screw up time zones regularly. So 
There's worse Wait, things you, you could screw up. When you messaged us earlier today, Steve, were you? Did you think that that's when we were supposed to hop on? Hundred percent. Oh, okay. Because yeah. he, Eric, he just for clarity, he usually like texts us like, you know, you guys want to hop on like ten, fifteen minutes early. And he texts us like, "Hey, you guys want to hop on at 7:30?" I was like, "No, I have I haven't eaten dinner yet. I haven't like gone for a run. I, I need more time." And that's fine. So, oh man, now it all that, makes sense. So, Eric, how how you doing? How you feeling right now? I'm doing good. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of nice that things are slowly starting to get back to normal a little bit. So, uh, I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah. Are you uh, are you excited about any upcoming races? Yeah, so actually, uh, I'm racing this Friday night in New York City uh, at Icon Stadium for the the Trials of Miles. We're putting on another meet there. Uh, And so then I'm actually flying straight from New York over to Gateshead. uh, And I'm pacing the 1500 at the Diamond League there on Sunday. And then I'll fly straight from there to Doha, and I race the Diamond League there, the, the 28th. So wait, I've, wait, got a, I've got a busy 10 days coming up. Say, say that again? Where are you going in the next 10 days? This is crazy. Uh, so I'm racing in New York City on Friday night, and then I fly Saturday night over to Gateshead, and I land there at like 10 a.m., and I'm pacing the 1500 that evening. And so, then I fly out to Doha the day after that to race on the 28th. That's wild. But this is like, sorry, it's my dog. This is like your thing, though. You've done this in the past. Like, I think I, I, I read somewhere where you run, once did eight races in 17 days. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this is like almost getting back to normal a little bit for me. I kind of thrive off of, you know, racing more and, and the travel and that kind of stuff. So, I'm, I'm excited to, to get back to that. What, what is your philosophy behind that? Like, what, what do you like about that? Do you think it just like gets you in the race mindset. I don't know. Like I can't Uh, imagine racing that often would feel great. (laughs) I've always done so much better just racing a lot. And that kind of just goes back to, you know, my, my college days, I would race the 800 race, the four by four at a lot of those meets. And, uh, you know, my coach, Joey Woody was a foreigner hurdler and he kind of embraces that mentality in training and racing. He would, you know, go over to Europe and try to race every other day. And that's something that I kind of wish I could do. And I think that training alone, 99% of the time, it kind of, you know, it is nice getting to, to break that up with, with a lot of races in a short period of time. So I really enjoy that. So you answered that question. I was Googling where Gateshead was because I didn't want to sound like an idiot. But in <laughs> case of people didn't know, it's a town in England. So now I got the whole package here. Uh, but you, you brought up something that I find interesting. So you're going to go out, you're going you're gonna to rab it uh, for a Diamond League event. Is it more pressure to be the pacer than to actually go out and race? Like, do you feel the pressure not to screw this up at an event as big as the Diamond League? Yeah, uh, so this is only the second time I'll have paced like a legitimate race. The first one was when Yomif broke the indoor mild world record at Boston. And I was way more nervous for that, pacing that race than I have been for, I think, any race in my entire career. So, uh, you know, I'll definitely be nervous, but, you know, hopefully I'll do a decent job. You're great yeah. at it then. You're one for one. Like, yeah, I was going to say, do you, do you take any credit <laughs> for that for that record yeah. there? You got to. Nah, I, I think that, you know, he was probably going to do it regardless. And I just, as long as I didn't mess anything up super badly, that he'd be totally fine. So who approaches you to pace this race? Like, how does that whole, you know, system work where you get pulled into it? Uh, yeah, my agent does some of it. Uh, this one, uh, it just kind of got presented to me. And they have a lot of athletes that are going straight from Gateshead over to Doha anyways. Um, and it kind of breaks the travel up. I think last year when I flew over there from Chicago, it's like 
I don't know, 13 or 14 hours. Whereas from Gateshead, I think it's only like seven hours. So it'd be kind of nice to just break that trip up in half and uh, get a little workout in in between. Have you ever been in the middle of a pacing job and been like, I feel pretty good. I'm going to try to hang with the leaders or is that frowned upon? Like if you're there to pace, are you like, are you supposed to drop off at a certain point or could you go with them if you felt good enough? Uh, to be honest, the only races I've ever paced have been like 1500s and miles and that's not really my event anyways. So once I kind of hit that 800 or 1K mark, I'm pretty ready to be done. So <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. I think, I, I don't think I could pace an 800. I think that'd be too hard for me. Um, just being so competitive and, you know, enjoying that event so much that I think I'd struggle with trying to pace that event because I'd want to be in the race. Yeah. Well, and so I, I, you know, I, it came up quicker than I thought, but I, I do appreciate the fact that you race a lot. But the other thing that I really appreciate, appreciate about your style is you're a gamer. Like when you get on the starting line, like you're in it to, to compete. Like there's, it seems like, you know, you might have a good race, you might have a bad race, but it seems like every single race that you're in, you're taking a shot at the win. You're not settling in for a time. You're not settling in for a place. You're in it to, to compete. And I don't think we see enough of that in the sport today. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's kind of the, the thing coaches always told me is that if you're in the race, you might as well give your chance at some point during the race to win it. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of the mentality I adapt going into it. And obviously, you know, sometimes it pays off a lot of times it doesn't, but I think that more that I push myself and extend myself in those situations that it pays off long-term. So. Do you, yeah. do you think you like to race like more than your competitors out there? I mean, you're racing this much and then you have that mentality where you're going for the W every time. Um, is there like a, a special part of you that you think, you know, throw out the training, throw out the miles, the workouts where you just get like a special enjoyment out of being on the starting line more than other people? I think so, man. I mean, I just, I never thought I would have had this opportunity growing up. Like if you have told me in high school that I was going to be, a professional track athlete for a decade, I would have never expected that. So, I mean, I'm super fortunate with what I've been able to do. And I've met so many awesome people. I've traveled to so many places that, you know, I just, I love to compete too. And I think those three things together, every time I step on the starting line, it's just an awesome opportunity. And the more I can take advantage of that, the better for me. Yeah. So when you just said, you know, you've been doing this for a decade now, I was kind of going through some stuff as I was prepping uh, to talk to you today. And you know, you've had an unbelievable career. I think, first of all, when I was doing my research, you have a Wikipedia page. So that's always a good sign that somebody's had a pretty good career. You know, not a lot of people we, we interview have Wikipedia page. So that's a good first step. But, you know, you, you had your stretch there where you, you know, won a couple of American 800-meter titles. You were kind of crushing the scene on top of the world in the conversation to go to world championships, to go to, you know, Olympics, stuff like that, your name was always there. And then there was a stretch for a year or two where, you know, maybe we didn't hear your name as much. And then all of a sudden you seem to be back right now, right? You just dropped a nice 154. You look like you're flying. Do you feel, is it safe to say that you are back? Yeah, I think so. You know, uh, a couple of years ago, I kind of got, semi-injured for the first time in my entire career uh, and that happened like three weeks before the U.S. championships and so I only stepped on the track to do an actual workout like two times before U.S. championships and those were both races just trying to get the world championship qualifying time so I mean that kind of you know set me back a little bit and then I think you know going into the year of, of COVID with everything it was just a it was a weird setup for me in general you know I generally have such a 
solid routine day to day and kind of not being able to use facilities, the weight room, that kind of stuff really threw me for a bit of a loop. So uh, I got a lot of good work in during that time. And I think that that's kind of all coming together at the right time for me, though. So, hey, so Mike was kind of talking a little bit about your past. And I want to talk a little bit about 2016. And I want to talk about the trials. And I just want to start off by saying is you got screwed. <laughs> and, and, and you were vocal about it, right? You got put out, you got put out in lane six. They weren't, they weren't putting multiple people in a lane. Very strange for a finals. Um, but you were very vocal about it. I mean, you came off the track and you, you kind of spoke out against the, uh, you know, USA track and field being like it was crazy. You talked about how several coaches petitioned to get that changed. But did you what is your what is your feelings on that race? Uh, you know, uh, you know, four or five years later. And did you get any pushback? Did like the USATF ever come down on you for being so vocal against them? Uh there was no pushback. Um, and to be honest with you, uh, after that season, I uh, drafted like a complete rule change and proposed it to USATF at the annual meeting. So there should never be another waterfall start in the men's 800 final outdoors as long as USATF is in existence, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so that did get changed. Uh, I mean, it was just more of a bummer. I mean, I I don't dwell on it by any means. I, I laid myself out there in that race. I mean, I think I still went out in 50 point out of, you know, that, that position. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a bummer, but I, I don't think I would have changed the way I raced or anything. Uh, it was more just, you know, the situation was frustrating. You put so much time and so much effort into it. And not to mention you run the semifinal for me, like I'm trying to run a good time. So I get a good lane. And I think I had the second fastest time going into the final behind Boris. So thinking, you know, I'd be lane probably, you know, four or five, six and be in a good position then kind of to find out an hour and a half before the race that this is how they're doing it was just, it was just kind of frustrating. Um, I mean, I don't think I'd been in a waterfall start since high school before that. So uh, yeah, but I mean, like I said, I mean, I'm not dwelling on it by any means. Um, I've, I've come to terms with it and hopefully this year at the trials will be a different story for me. Do you think, do you think that there's uh, do you think you're still motivated today because of that? I mean, say you make that Olympic team, you, you, you go to the Olympics and, you know, a couple of years later, you get injured. You know, I, I mean, the three of us are starting to feel it. You get a little older. It's not as easy. You start to feel aches and pains. It, it would have been easier to walk away. But do you think that that day gave you the motivation to like keep grinding, keep staying after it? Yeah, I, mean, I think that's definitely a, a big motivating factor for me is to, you know, give myself a chance to make the Olympic team. Um, but at the same time, I kind of I also know like, hey, I've been doing this for so long. And when there comes to be a point that I don't think I'm competitive to make a U.S. final or make a team that, you know, I don't have a problem stepping away. Um, I mean, like, like I said, I, I'm super competitive and I don't think that I could just stick around to race just to race. Like I know I need to be in the race and I need to give myself a chance to win. And if I don't think that I'm able to do that, then I don't see a point for me to keep doing it. You think your best running still ahead of you? Uh, you know, I think indoors show that I've still got a lot in the tank. Um, you know, maybe I'm not going to string together, uh, you know, four or five, six races in a short period of time like I did back in, you know, 2016, 2017. But I don't see any reason, like with the training that I've done, that I can't, you know, set a PR. I mean, my PR is back from 2013 or 144.58. I've come close a couple of times. And honestly, I think in the right race right now that I could be right there, if not a little faster. So. Man, well, well, rest management in there. Give yourself a, a few more days off than you used to. Uh, yeah, yeah. We're all like the same age. Yeah, I need a couple more days off in between big workouts and stuff than I used to. I hear you. 
All right. So let's, let's take a, a little sidestep here from talking yeah. so much about running. I can only talk so much running. I know, you know, we have a running podcast here, but I, I got to switch up every now and again. So I have a, an older dog. She's a lab Vishla mix. And I think she's maybe a top five living thing of all time. This isn't really a question. I just, I just want to know if you want to take this opportunity to talk about how awesome Vishlas are. Yeah. Vishlas are awesome. Uh, <laughs> the best. Dude. He, uh, so our dog, man, he's either a hundred percent or he's knocked out asleep for 15 hours. It's kind of, it's kind of entertaining. So you get him outside and he goes crazy for an hour or two, but luckily he's not, not super high maintenance or anything like that. And he's awesome to run with. So it's been, it's been awesome. Yeah. I was going to say, how long of a run can you get with, with the Visha? Uh, I think I've probably only done like seven or eight miles. Um, my partner, she was training for, for some ultras the last couple of years. I think she took him out a couple of times for like 15, 16 miles and he was, he was totally fine. That is so. unbelievable. Yeah. My, my dog's a little too old for that now. She's like almost <laughs> 11. So okay. she, we're like, we're lucky if we can get a mile out of her. That's unbelievable. 16 mile run. <laughs> yeah. My, Mike over here is blaming it on his dog that he's not going out for long yeah, yeah, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> this is on you, Michael, not your dog. All right, yeah. if we're gonna if we're gonna talk non-running, I got I got a non-running question for you. you. You're from Wisconsin, but it, you ended up at, at Iowa, your school, and you just never left. Now you don't hear people just go to Iowa and don't leave. Maybe California, maybe like somewhere you know on the West Coast or an island somewhere why why are you still in iowa uh, and tell me sell me on on why Iowa is a good place to be a professional running uh i mean to be honest with you 99 percent of it is is coach woody um he he's been kind of you know the the mainstay for me and you know he's been through this and he's just a super super great role model for me and i've really progressed with him you know since since i was started with him in 2008 so if he would have left and taken a job somewhere else i mean very very likely i would have followed um but at the same time i mean i love living in iowa i love iowa city um i'm not a big city person by any means so kind of you know the the, the slower pace and you know you know a lot of people around here and the university's been so supportive of me i mean i have access to whatever facilities i need athletic training that kind of stuff and i think that those are things that sometimes people who leave their current situations kind of take for granted um, I think you've kind of seen that with some people who are running super well out of college, maybe a couple of years they stay with their college coach and they're doing well and then get up and leave and try to try to do something else. And uh, for me, it, it wasn't worth that risk. So. Sounds like a good place to be. And well, we, so Trent mentioned you're, uh, you know, originally from Wisconsin and uh, you know, I, I just want to start off by saying this. I love like a high quality, craft beer flavorful rich you know just a, a really tasty high alcohol beer but can you please explain to the listeners that there's also a place for a fine pilsner miller light beer oh yeah 100 percent. i mean i don't think you even need to be in a, a certain mood for a, for a great miller light right. uh yeah i mean i'm a big brewers fan you know miller park r.i.p uh enjoyed a couple miller lights there in my in my time so I think that people should, you know, take that for what it's worth and give it a shot. That is that is one of the biggest shames in all of sports that that's no longer Miller Park. It's, I know. Yes. I, I still catch it myself calling it Miller Park. but There's certain ballparks that will just be the same name forever. That's one of them, Miller Park. <laughs> I saw there was a, a picture someone posted on Twitter. It was a guy holding a sign that says, like, this place looks a lot like Miller Park or something <laughs> like that. It was, it was pretty funny. 
<laughs> I mean, the Brewers, you're in Milwaukee. It's got to be Miller Park. And I, oh, yeah. so I, I, went to, I went to Miller Park one time when it was Miller Park. And the cool thing that I noticed about, uh, you know, the Brewers and what they're doing there is they have a really cool tailgate atmosphere for baseball, which you don't see a lot for, for Major League Baseball. And I just thought that was, that was pretty cool. Uh, I wasn't 21 at the time. I think I was, in, I was in high school, but I was just like, someday I'm coming back here and we're going to tailgate before a baseball game. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, Milwaukee is a decently big city, but you don't have a ton of traffic going in and out of Miller Park. So it doesn't take you a lot of time to get to the stadium. It doesn't take you a ton of time to get out. And uh, yeah, I mean, the tailgating scene's awesome. I kind of feel the same way about Iowa. I mean, Iowa has no professional sports, so the tailgating scene here is pretty awesome for football games and stuff too. So, yeah, don't and sleep I think, on Iowa. <laughs> and I, and I, I think we'd be remiss to mention the fact that let's see. So you have one hundred and forty-three sub 148s in your career nick willis recently tweeted that it was more impressive than his streak which is i believe is 21 years of sub four minute miles that's just i I, it's not even a question i just want to say that is an incredible athletic achievement and an incredible streak in the sport that we may never see again i appreciate it and i've had a blast every single one of those (laughs) well before we let you go we end every interview with a quick game, and we have a slightly different one. We're going to mix it up a little bit. So, Mike, right. why don't you kick off down the home stretch? All right, down the home stretch, rapid fire questions. I have a good word that you're a Tiger Woods fan. So, we're going to ask you some questions about the man, the myth, the legend who is Tiger Woods. Trent's going to hit you right. the first question. Let's do it. All right, we'll start easy here. Eric, what's your favorite Tiger Woods memory? Uh, the Masters that he won a couple of years ago. I think, you know, coming from such a, a down place and him being able to turn things around and do that, I think was, was pretty special. Just seeing him, you know, turn his life around and then turn his golf game around too was pretty awesome. Comeback story. Maybe we'll see another comeback story on the track. Let's go. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, so you're, you're, you're recently a, a Bell Lap track and field athlete, you know, one of our close friends over there, Chief. You got to talk to Chief about getting a a red singlet black shorts for when you make the finals the at final. the Olympic trials. That's a good idea. I'll send him a text after this. Yeah, there you go. That'd be electric. Um, all right, I don't want to, you know, get sad here or, you know, bring the podcast down, but is Tiger going to play again? I don't know. I hope so, but at the same time, it was a pretty pretty significant injury. I'm not super optimistic, but... I'm hoping for the best. Even if he's not himself, I would think I'd just like to see him out at a couple more tournaments. For regardless. Sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I'll correct you. He'll play again. I, I was going to ask me, Meg, is it cut again? He, they're going to get him out there. He's going to get on, you know, the first tee. I don't know if he makes it through through Friday, but whatever. Um, all right, I got an important question for you. Yep. Do you feel like the 2005 introduction of Tiger Vision to Tiger Woods Golf was an important addition to the franchise or did it take away making putting a little too easy? See, I love golf games and I think that it was a little too easy. That, that's that so like was, a real, real game. There right was, there. you know, you, you didn't have to read, read the greens as much. Uh, I downloaded, I don't even remember what the new, newer one is called, but I have it for my, my PC and it's just, it's not as good. It's difficult, but uh, I think they're coming out with a Tiger Woods new franchise, right? I think he signed with 2K Sports. Is that correct? Oh, 
I did not. Oh, that's that. the best news I've heard all day. Yeah, I'm pretty. Because... I'm pretty sure I saw that. Uh, maybe within the last like month, because they they're relaunching with EA Sports, but Tiger Woods is not in that. I think they're relaunch. He's relaunching with 2K. I believe. So. I I I mean, try, I I literally had a had, had a Tiger Woods video game question lined up. So instead, I'm going to ask you. You know what? What what are you shooting these days? What's your handicap? Uh, to be honest with you, since I hurt my back back in 2019, I haven't swung a golf club since. So, uh, not not very not very good right now. I used to play a lot in high school. I'd play almost you know once or twice a week, and then coming to college and that stuff. Man, I probably average maybe two or three times a year. So, I'm respectable, but I'm not good by any means. Gotcha. Post 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 running career. Yeah, that's the plan. Your, your second act mike hit him with the last question <laughs> all right so you know tiger is obviously famous for his iconic fist pump you've had some good celebrations yourself what would you consider your tiger woods fist pump moment uh it's got to be the the finish at Rose games that american <laughs> record uh for sure that was that was such an awesome experience i mean i had guys from the running store there with me it was kind of out of nowhere running just a random running store pearl izumi jersey i think that uh and that was awesome it's got to be that 100 percent. very cool well eric thank you so much for for coming on really looking forward to to talking to you this podcast i think this is uh it's a great interview we are going to be cheering you on so hard at the trials this year we want you to get to the olympic games and uh and, and see you perform there so thank you very much for coming on thank you guys i appreciate it Thanks again to Eric for coming on the podcast. Right when we signed off, he sent me this picture of some uh, some cool uh, Tiger Woods memorabilia that he has from 1998. So this guy's been a true blue Tiger fan for you know going on over 20 years now. Um, but really like talking with him. I'm, I'm hoping that we can see a little bit of a comeback from Eric. See him in the mix because he's he's a guy that's that's he's been one of the top mid distance runners in the country for a long time, and I would love to see him have a shot at the Olympics. nothing guys got nothing to say to that it sounded like it it sounded like a good place to close it out you sounded like that was like a bam ending point i was also in my head podcast we talk to each other that's what we do on this thing we we talk you're gonna move on to the next topic then you say something back and then usually trent chimes in with something that's how the podcast works i was i was also trying to think of we had a a point the point was Oh, Trent you said, trying to point? I was trying to remember the point and my brain froze because I couldn't remember what we said. Oh, yeah, that'd be a good Steve, thing to Steve, talk about. Let's run it back. The... Can, can you just give me a quick no, Eric? We're, we're keeping it. We're keeping it in. We're all cutting right, it. Right. Well, well, then what I was going to say then, or what I remembered to say, because I just need to get myself in the right man's place here. There's two spots in the 800 that are taken, right? We got, oh, yeah, we got Brazier. We got Hopple. There's no reason Eric can't compete there for that third spot. The guy's a legend at this point. He knows how to race. The guy loves racing. You can't count him out for that third spot. And he's a good story. Like I'm rooting for him for sure. To see him kind of bounce around different sponsors, yet be able to continue to perform the way he's performing, and he ran really fast a few weeks ago. Um, he's he's definitely you know a candidate for that third spot. John, that's a great point. It's a very good point. All right, Mike. Let's get off the bell app. Mike, what do you got people on the bell app? Yeah, so 
by the time this episode comes out, it would have already happened. But we got, we've talked, you know, pretty much every New England sports, you know, on, on the Bell app here. I don't think we've talked much of Celtics this year, and that's because it's been slightly uninspiring. It's because they oh. suck, Mike. <laughs> well, they don't suck. They made the playoffs. We're in the playoffs. We got to get geared up for whatever it is, this system here. Trent was selling me on the system. I was down on this four-game playoff thing. But Trent sold me on it, so I'm in. I'm ready to go. Let's go, C's. We're back. Trent, what do you got people in the Bell app? Yeah, Celtics down eight right now playing games, so I'll leave that one to Mike. I want to shout out uh, Johnny, uh, Johnny G, our guy Johnny Gregorik's Blue Jean Mile. Uh, he got the, the world record wearing blue jeans running a mile last year. They're doing another uh, fundraiser this year. My guy, uh, Sam Spencer, I think is a top fundraiser. So uh, check out Johnny G's Instagram page. He's got a link to his blue jean mile account um, where they're raising money for the uh, National Alliance on Mental Illness of New York City. So uh, Johnny, obviously, you know, great cause. He's got a personal story with mental illness uh, with his family. So uh, if you guys want to contribute to that, if you want to run it, people want to run Blue Jean Miles or challenge us and, you know, give us the time, see if we can go out and beat it, something like that, uh, definitely take a look at that. And, and I'd encourage you to participate or donate. Red Sox back to full capacity, May 29th. Pretty awesome. Can't wait for that. Done wearing masks. Get your vaccination. Let's go, baby. And uh, time to party again. Roaring 20s. Time to roll. Other than that, boys, I would have run faster, but I peaked too early. Mike, hit me with the Joes. Joes is on a vacation far away. Come around and talk it over. So many things that I want to say. You know I like my girls a little bit older. I just want to use your love tonight. I don't want to lose your love. Close the door.